Welcome back to the Resiliency Ninja podcast. This is Allison Graham, and it is episode 41, which means that I am back from my two-week hiatus that I do every, uh, I've decided I'm only 40 episodes in, but I've decided every 20 episodes, I'm taking a two-week break to give you, the listener, a chance to catch up on missed episodes, but also to recognize the fact that as much as I love doing this podcast, it is a lot of uh, added work into my life, and I want to be sure that it's sustainable for the long term. So I've built this in, and uh, hopefully you didn't miss me too much, but have uh, I'm glad you're back. So welcome back. And the last couple of weeks have actually been a lot of fun for me. And they've inspired the next few Facha Fridays, uh, maybe not the next few, but uh, uh, today and next one, <laughs> because I I did two things that were really neat. Actually, I did a lot of things, but uh, in addition to speaking for clients and having some really great audiences that I, I had a chance to share with, I went to San Diego for five days and I went on a specific retreat that was really neat and insightful. So we're going to... Uh, you know, talk about that in another episode. And also, for the first time ever, I did the Habitat for Humanity build. There's, um, it's a great charity. I'm going to share a little bit about that. And by the end of the day, the team and I, we were talking about some of the lessons, uh, life lessons that were mirrored in the Habitat for Humanity build. So I want to share those insights with you here today. Now, stay tuned. I don't know if I'll be able to announce it next week, but the week after, I should have a big announcement for you. So uh, that that's really exciting. So be sure you are subscribed. And uh, if you love this podcast, please be sure to uh, let me know. Allison at r-ninja.com. Uh, you can leave a review, do a five-star review. Um, five stars, which takes like a nanosecond to do if you're on your phone. And uh, what else can you do? You know, just share the love. That's the key. Thank you. All right, let's talk about this build. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with Habitat for Humanity, essentially what they do is they build homes for people who are uh, you know, down and out on their luck or have uh, somebody in the family who has special needs. And they're people who maybe wouldn't always have a chance to purchase a home because of their financial situation, but who are responsible and who have, you know, a, at least enough income that they can pay the mortgage at a 0% interest rate. And so what Habitat does is they have a restore, a great place if you're ever doing renovations and you want to find some really neat products for your home, you can go there and all the proceeds from the ReStore actually fund the administration of Habitat for Humanity. Then all the volunteer funds that we raise, the money we raise, goes to support the actual home build. But here's the really neat thing, is that the family who ends up with the home, two things. Number one, they have to put in 500 community hours as their down payment. That's how they make their down payment for the home. And they need to pay uh, a regular, you know, fair market value, interest-free loan that they get as, the, so instead of paying rent, they would actually be paying it into a mortgage. So really love Habitat for Humanity and think it's a great organization, really pleased to be a part of it, and uh, did this build. 
So when I started this, it was actually because I, I'd kind of written out a bucket list. And I, I'm not very creative when it comes to bucket lists. And you may know what a bucket list is. It's the different things you want to do in your life before you, you die. And I often have just lived vicariously through other people's bucket lists. So if I have a friend who says, hey, I want to go swimming with the whale sharks, I'll be like, that's a great idea. Let's do it. <laughs> Or somebody who says, I want to, you know, go do this. I'm like, okay, I'm in. But I never sat down and actually figured out my own. And so I made this long list. And it was neat because a lot of the things that I would have put on the list I've actually done, if I would have thought of it. But in the summertime, one of the things I wrote was I wanted to help build a house for charity. And with all great enthusiasm, I signed up and I put it out on Facebook and I said, hey, who's in? Uh, Come join me and let's do this. And I thought, you know, we're going to raise so much money and we're going to have this huge team. Maybe we'll have two teams and you know, just the enthusiasm of setting out to do something different in your life. I bet you, you can be there. You can can, uh, relate to this, I hope, at some point. So as the time got closer, what I realized is the initial reaction of people was like, yes, I'm in. You know, I think I had like 30 people who said, count me in. And we ended up about a week before with about five of us. (laughs) Okay, so the mighty five, and I love them. They were amazing, the coolest group. And actually, we ended up, then I put out another call, and we ended up with about nine, and then a couple of people got sick and had a family emergency and all the things that happen in your life. But this was one of the first keys when it comes to the lessons that mirror life. Two things. Number one, it's easy to say you're going to do something. It's harder to actually do it. And often I think I've done this too, where I've been like, yeah, I'm all in, let's do this. And then it actually comes to it. And I'm like, no, why did I say yes to that? And I think if a week before, because I've been traveling so much and not as an excuse, just the reality and doing a lot of focus on the business and new clients and, um, you know, even some last minute keynotes that came into my life that I was so blessed for. And so I didn't have a chance to really reach out and raise money and to build the team and to lead the team properly. Like as a leader, I wasn't exactly rocking the rock star leadership, which is probably why I don't teach leadership. I teach resilience, and here's a great story of resilience. We did it anyway. And at one point, and I don't think uh, she would mind me sharing this, I won't tell you which one of my team members, but about four days before she wanted to quit. She's like, we don't have enough team members. We don't, I haven't raised enough money. I feel like we need to just bow, or she wanted to bow out. And I said, you know what? Sometimes it's just the, the fewer people is even better. And it's okay. Uh, We would love to have you and I hope you'll stay. And she did. And she was so grateful that she stayed. But I think, you know, that follow through was really mirrored in this experience for me, both for myself and from my lovely friends who uh, chose not to, to follow through, which is things happen. I mean, there's no judgment here. But just because you didn't do something 100% doesn't mean you have to quit. And I think if I would have let my, you know, A-type personality perfectionism 
you know, desire to save face and not be embarrassed because I didn't raise enough money and I didn't have a big enough team and I didn't, you know, achieve all those things that I originally set out for. You know, the thinking is, well, don't do it then. Like pull out, save face. And we do that so often in our life, don't we? We get to, to the, the finish line and then we, we withdraw. And I'm going to encourage you to keep going, follow through, do it anyway. And by the way, the fundraising I found out is open until February. So if you would like to help my team, the Resiliency Ninjas, up their, up their number, I will be sure that there is a link in this uh, podcast show notes. So that was that was an interesting thing. So the follow through first life lesson from it that was mirrored in this. And these are things that you already know. We talk about them all the time, but it was neat to see it all come together in a day. The next thing that was really interesting to me, and I'm trying to figure out why it was. So let me share with you, and then I'm gonna back up and explain why. That the greatest reward is on the other side of giving up. And I thought, why do I not know this feeling? And (laughs) because I was really like, I got to tell you, it was a cold day. Like it was a, you know, rain that was close to a freezing drizzle. And we were soaking wet. And all of the materials we were working with on the build were soaking wet. And then your fingers and the gloves and we're working with different tools. And uh, none of us are construction people. I got to tell you, I have a newfound respect for people who work in this industry and their physical ability and their talent and their precision and all of that that goes with it. So the fact that we wanted to quit throughout the morning on many occasions, we were joking like, are we sure we need to be doing this? Is I, I think it would have been easy at lunch to say, you know what? We're in over our heads, we're freezing cold, we don't wanna get sick, Uh, let's call it quits. And I think they would have been fine with that, but we didn't. We stuck, stuck together, you know, the power of the team and we kept going. And the afternoon was so incredibly rewarding. I think because we chose to keep going. And I think one of the things, I, I'm a power througher, I tend to power through anyway, but I've sort of designed my life that I, I have some flexibility, so I'm really good at taking breaks. And when I'm not feeling the oomph or the desire to do something, I generally just stop doing it and go do something else and then come back to it when I do feel the mood. But with this case, I didn't have that luxury. And so I think I was really, I don't know why I was so surprised by how good it felt and it, to do this, but to do it after I wanted to quit. And maybe sometimes we just quit too early in our lives. And so I think we got to keep powering on. One of the reasons we were so frustrated in the morning, and this came to, uh, you know, comes to the next level, a lesson or that was mirrored, is the important to have the right tools. If you don't have the right tools, any job is harder. <laughs> and so what we didn't realize is that we were... Okay, so you have to imagine this. We were actually building and putting in supports for um, uh, someone who's in a wheelchair. He needs to have the ability to, you know, get up from his bed and go into the bathtub with a uh, mechanical thing that picks him up. I forget what you call it. But we had to put the supports in the roof so that they could hang the actual apparatus on it. So really important. Like this is not the thing to screw up on. 
Do you know what I mean? Like you can't do all of it. But what we would do is we would use the drill and make like a pilot hole. And then we would put the nail in through through the hole. And it would be like, oh my gosh, how do people hit a nail and have it go in twice? And we're like all, obviously we're not builders, you know, we're hitting it over and over and over and over again, and it's not going in. And we realize a little bit longer, you know, into the morning that we're using the wrong size nails. Somehow the box of the nails that we grabbed were actually mixed together and there were three sizes of nails in there and only one of the nails was the one that we should be using. So we were trying to put a a nail that was probably one and a half times or probably even more than that, probably two and a half times the actual width that we should have been used using into a hole that was designed for something much smaller. And so having the right tools is exceptionally important in any job and it can make you feel very frustrated. So sometimes if you're doing something and getting really frustrated, it's a good idea to just go, wait a second, what am I missing here? Am I using the right size nail? Do I need to change? Do I need to adapt? Assess the situation, adapt, and act accordingly. Oh, what else was there? Oh, the risk for being overwhelmed. Very often my clients come to me or audience members come to me and say, you know, I just feel so overwhelmed with everything I have to get done. And I looked at that house and I thought, oh my gosh, this is overwhelming. Like to actually build a house from the beginning to the end is so much work. And again, respecting and appreciating at a newfound, profound level, the the people in the construction industry who do this for a living. But what was neat is the Habitat way is that every volunteer group comes in and they do a specific job. And in the morning, it was like, okay, you need to put these support beams in. And then we ended up doing a few other things like putting up a catwalk for the, the roof and all of this. If we would have looked at everything we were going to accomplish by the end of the day as or as how are we going to build this entire house, it would have been overwhelming. And I think we do that. We show up on our, you know, in our desk and look at our huge to-do list and we go, gosh, it's never, ever, ever going to happen. Like there's just not enough hours in a day to make this happen. And that same feeling of overwhelm is like when you're building a house. But what's really neat is they have every team, as I was just saying, come in and do a specific job. And over the course of six to eight months or however long it's going to take them to finish the build, apparently they're planning in February, it's going to be done. And I'm recording this in December. So they've got another couple of months to go. But every team takes its own part. They do one job at a time. The the foreman didn't have us like, you know, okay, put in like two boards over here and then come over here and screw this in and then come back over here and put in two more boards. It was like, here's your your boards, finish this. And we did that together and then we moved on and one team ended up sticking with it when we would have been like, you know, backing into each other, like the room just didn't allow for us to all work on it. We were at that point, we were assigned other roles and responsibilities and we looked at that but looking at our to-do list, and you know, I don't believe in a to-do list. I call it a to-do circle. But looking at that, all those things you need to get done, that's overwhelming. Looking and taking one piece of the puzzle and focusing on it until it's done, that is powerful. And that feels amazing. And the last thing is uh, having the right people on your team and how important that was. I... 
you know, I know, like I shared with you at the beginning, I had, you know, big visions and, and didn't lead uh, the effort as well as I could have, in, in all fairness. But you've got to trust that the right people are in the right room. And I know that, you know, many of you are out there, you're trying to run workshops, you're uh, trying to, uh, you know, coach people, whatever the case is that you're doing, or maybe you're, uh, you know, you, you don't have enough staff yet, and you know you need somebody else. The thing is, is that sometimes when you invest in the small number of people, you can actually have a better experience than trying to do it all and have it all and have everybody there and have too many people. Because there were a couple of times throughout the day where we said, you know what, with five people on the build site and, you know, leading up to it, we thought we had nine, which is great. And 10 is the max. With five people, we actually had a lot of fun. We had room to move. We were able to help each other. We were laughing. We were, you know, keeping each other motivated, making jokes, like giggles. It was awesome. And maybe if we had other people there, we wouldn't have had the exact same experience. Of course, we would have had other people and it could have been better or it could have been more overwhelming. Who knows? But I think so often we're worried about who's not in the room. And I think where the real power comes from is serving the people who are in the room. And I've just got to do a quick shout out to uh, my team. You guys are phenomenal. Thank you for making it such an amazing day. And uh, we're going to do it again next year. I will share with you, we do have the fundraising page up. You're welcome. There's no obligation, obviously, but I would love for you to support us. If you've loved this information, uh, please give that money to Habitat for Humanity, either my team or somebody else or uh, any charity that you feel generous to give to is always a nice way to go. So uh, thank you for listening. Thanks for being back. Thanks for being a loyal listener to the Resiliency Ninjas. This is episode number 41. And it has been an awesome journey. I'm glad to be back from the break. Remember, in a couple weeks or maybe next Friday, I've got a really cool announcement that I'm really excited about, something that's going on in the background. And if you love the Resiliency Ninja podcast, you are going to want to hear about that announcement. So be sure to subscribe and uh, share and let other people know about it. But the thing is, it doesn't even matter if you let other people know about it because it's not about the quantity, it's about the quality. And I think the Resiliency Ninja listeners are the best listeners. So thank you for being here and have an amazing day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.